everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast. We're back. The crew is with you. Chaz, as always, uh, the, a writer of uh, M- MTG Finance, you know, the financial aspect of the game as well, just everything Magic the Gathering related, accompanied by Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. What's up, Richard? It's a crazy morning, boys. Crazy morning. I can't, like, I can't even get through the opening. It's like I'm trying to still process everything. What episode is this? I don't even know. 103? Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, our resident jank brewer and just all-around MTG content creator. What's up, Seth? Oh, what's up, guys? I'm just sitting here in shock at this uh, BNR I, announcement. We're your weekly podcast about everything Magic the Gathering related. You can find us on iTunes. Google Play, mtggoldfish.com, and more recently, YouTube. So, hello to YouTube. Uh, we're, we're just going to cut to the chase. Uh, we got a ban and restricted announcement this morning. Uh, it was moved up to today. I kind of almost feel like Woody from my Toy Story. Andy's birthday party has been moved to today. So, uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff is going on. So, we're just going to take the, a little bit of time to process this. We're going to go into some Aether Revolt stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about just Aether Revolt in general, some specific cards. We have fish mail, but let me tell you what's going on. So January 9th, I uh, was just updated. So standard, Emrakul the Promise End, banned. Smuggler's Copter, banned. Reflector Mage, banned. Uh, goes into effect January 20th and on Magic Online uh, January 11th. And in Modern, the same timing, uh, Jataxian Probe is banned. Golgari Grave Troll is banned. So, I open up the floor to you two uh, gentlemen. What do you make of this, Richard? What is going on? You know, we were talking before. We normally record the podcast an hour earlier, and we delayed it to get the BNR announcement. And we were all thinking the Sahili Rai combo from Aether Revolt was going to get axed. And then, out of left field, Reflector Mage gets it. Emrakul and Smuggler's Copter also get it. You know, cards that are kind of dominant in the format but i didn't think it was that bad but it feels like wizards has lost their mind and they're just banning things left and right i'm not i'm not sure and my speculation is there's some deck or interaction ether revolt that makes reflector mage broken and it just looks really bad emrakul the face card of an entire block is banned it just feels like we're Hearthstone now. It just feels like we're getting errata and changes left and right. And before they used to be kind of, you know, sacred and just emergency. You know, we need to do this in the most dire situations. And I didn't feel we were there. And I feel, I don't know what they're doing. They're just coming in and just shooting by the hip left and right. And Emrakul and Smuggler's Copter got hit. I, I don't know what to say here. I'm in shock. Yeah, it, it's, I don't even know. <laughs> Seth, what do you make of this? I don't even know what to say. We've never seen anything like this before. Like, one thing that's been consistent through the history of Magic is standard bannings are an extremely rare beast. Affinity, it happened. Uh, it was broken. Uh, Urza's block, it happened. Format was broken. In World Wake, it happened with Jace. But that's like three times and only one in the last... 15 years since Mirrodin was what 2002 something like that so it just doesn't happen and then all of a sudden we get a banning that's not just a broken dominant card or synergy but just good stuff from every deck if you look at the standard meta right now they literally just uh, it seems like looked at the top decks in the format uh 70 of the format essentially in the goldfish database is etherworks marvel which is dependent on emerkel 
various vehicle aggro decks, which are 100% dependent on Smuggler's Copter, and then Blue White Flash, which is Smuggler's Copter and Reflector Mage. So they just pretty much pulled cards out of all the best decks in the format. All I can think of is this is akin to Splinter Twin and even Birthing Pod to some extent, where it's we have a Pro Tour coming up and we want to make sure the format's interesting and we don't want Pro Tour Ether Revolt to be Blue White Flash versus Etherworks Marvel versus Mardu Vehicles or whatever vehicle aggro deck. And Wizards didn't want that to happen, so their solution was just to pull everything out of the format but i don't even know what i don't know what to say we've just this is completely uncharted territory yeah this is i mean (laughs) when we look back like this looks so awkward compared to what was banned in standard before but i guess you can't really use past standards as a precedent and and i kind of i've been looking at that because you know you compare this to like stoneforge mystic and jace everything's relative right like you, you can't just say like oh you can't you can't ban a card just because it's not Jace, you know, the Mind Sculptor, Stoneforge Mystic uh, power level, because you're never going to have those cards again. You have to ban what's relative to what's doing well in that standard. And I guess in this standard, I mean, Seth, we talked about it since the start. You wrote an entire article about Emrakul. I mean, we said, like, listen, we've been through Mind Slaver. Like, Mind Slaver is really, really awful to, 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 to play with. And it was like almost... It was almost like a degenerate card even back then when it was just Mindslaver and Meriden. If Affinity and all that was not around, like I would bet like Mindslaver would have been a pretty degenerate card. So we digress. I don't <laughs> I just don't know. So they obviously saw something in Reflector Mage that has to do with Aether Revolt or maybe on the horizon, even in Amonkhet, that there has to be something that we have to get rid of. And it just looks like Reflector Mage, Smuggler's Copter. And Emrakul, you know, they're Emrakul and Smuggler's Copter were just taking over standard and uh, Reflector Mage. Obviously, there's something there that was going to completely break Reflector Mage if they didn't do something about it. And this seems to me like they had to backpedal a little bit from their their recent change in uh, rotation. So this is like a fix to that. Yeah, I think you guys are onto something. I think this is kind of like the modern bannings where you just do random bannings to shake up the format. Because Emrakul and Smuggler's Copter are both colorless cards. Any deck can play them, right? So you can't, you know, there's no imbalance of colors, right? Every color can play Smuggler's Copter. If you want Ether Revolt Pro Tour to look nice and fresh, you don't want to be overrun by Copters and Emrakuls, just ban them. And there you go. And I think that might be it, because otherwise I don't see how these are so oppressive. Like, is it, like, where do you draw the line? Is Gideon next to go? Gideon's like in every deck. How about Archangel Avacyn? There's plenty of other cards, and given that this is at the time of Aether Revolt, they could have printed answers in the set for these cards if they felt they were problematic. Like, we got Shock in Aether Revolt? Well, how about you give us Lightning Bolt, right? Smuggler's Copter won't be that oppressive if you have a Lightning Bolt to hit it with. So it makes me very suspicious behind the reasonings uh, of this format, or of these changes to the format, when they could have just made answers in Aether Revolt for uh, these existing cards. So I wonder if they just missed some combos or some synergies that people picked up after spoilers and they, you know, they didn't have time to put in the answers into Ether Revolt. I mean, I think the one of the biggest things for me is 
uh, that Wizards again didn't print answers. Uh, we've been talking about this for a while now, but Ether Revolt is another set without Graveyard Hate. It's a set without, well, it got a slightly better Smuggler's Copter removal, but we didn't get a Pithing Needle or uh, a Lightning Bolt. Fatal Push is good, but not at that level. Uh, so it's it seems like some of these problems could have been fixed by Wizards putting those cards in the format. So I don't know if that's just an oversight or if wizards just is really so against any sort of disruptive cards or any sort of answer cards or hate cards that they're willing to ban the face cards like emerkel was the most hype card Do you remember the spoiling of emerkel this big secret this huge hype all this stuff and everyone kind of knew emerkel was coming but they made it such a huge deal it's probably the most hype card of all of 2016 and it's just banned so I don't know. It seems like a better way of going about this to me would have been printing some more answer cards instead of just banning them outright. I'm incredibly curious to see what the community's reaction to this is. Uh, people already complain about cards getting banned. And what if you're the person that just invested $400 in green, black delirium and now you lose Emrakul or a whatever, $250, $300 in Mardu vehicles. And now your deck's unplayable because you lose literally the best card in your deck. So I will be curious to see what the reaction is. Are people happy that we're going to have a fresh standard and some really dominant cards are gone, or are they going to be upset because they're losing money and their deck that they invested money in all of a sudden with the thinking that it's going to be playable for the next whatever, two years or something in the case of Mardu Vehicles, it's a long time. The Kaladesh just came out three months ago. So is their deck that they invested in being banned going to actually turn some people off and upset them? I predict people will be outraged, absolutely outraged. People did not like fast rotation because your cards became worthless. Well, if you own a place out of Emrakul's, that was $80 that just incinerated uh, in the span of two hours from when they announced a accelerated BNR to when they released it. And same with Smuggler's Copter, that's $40 of copters. And you're telling me a new player trying to buy Delirium just dropped $120 on this and now they can't even play it? It's like they can't even play it in a you know like a tier two deck or something they literally cannot play these cards anymore so i i would be livid as a standard player and like why would you play this magic the gathering game where uh you know at any bnr the cards uh that you bought can just basically tank right modern players had this fear already but now standard players get this as well and standard was supposed to be kind of the safe you know noob friendly format so next time you open that shiny mythic, if it's too good to be true, well, it might be. They might just ban it the next time. And I don't know what kind of precedent that sets. I, I don't know right. if the situation was so dire, you had to shake everyone's trust in the system. Uh, you know, how bad was Emrakul? How bad is Smuggler's Copter? Can you not just let them naturally run their course? Right, and well, and the precedent they set is we can do this more often actually because if you read past down into the the rest of the announcement the banned and restricted announcements will now take place both on the monday after standard legal set pre-releases and five weeks after a pro tour also on a monday so is it conceivable because it wasn't before you know it was kind of understood that i mean it's been such a long time that you know they really have a handle on standard we don't have to worry about really standard bands anymore but it's kind of it kind of comes with the territory in other formats right so now what you know everyone gets drawn into the only pro tour format anymore standard and let's say we go back to to pro tour Kaladesh, or yeah Kaladesh, right seth does 
blue white flash get banned now because it was the best deck at the for at the tournament? Like, how does this work now? Does do we just throw Avicen onto that list now? Where where does it stop? And let me ask you both uh, something. So that we talked about ban and restricted announcements a lot, and we've talked a lot of different podcasts about a lot of different things. Before we started recording, you brought up Hearthstone, right? Does this just come with the territory that this is a paper game and they can't errata cards? Because in Hearthstone, they don't really ban cards. They just change them, right? And it's no no harm, no foul. Yeah, they might be worse, but I still own the card. It's not like it just basically is gone forever. You know, banning a card means I can't use it anymore, and that does nothing for me. So how long does this take into, you know, is just this because it's a paper game? Does this push us into, well, you know what? Maybe this game needs to start being on a digital platform so we don't run into these problems anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's... Because it's, it's a paper so, game, a you need to be conservative, issue, right? right? You need right. to be conservative. Right. You need to print cards that aren't going to be broken. And when they're broken, you need to be conservative to protect people's quote-unquote investment in this, you know, collectible card game. Hearthstone does things right, right? First, they errata cards, so you actually still own them. Second, if you disenchant them because they've been nerfed, uh, you get full value, meaning you get to swap cards. Right, so the equivalent here would be I could swap uh, these four Emrakuls for you know four new Tezzeret Planeswalkers from Either Revolt, or you know for any other Mythics from any standard legal set. But we don't have that, right? And I don't know what the price of Emrakul is, but I'm sure it's nosedived <laughs> since its announcement. Same with Copter, and basically players are just left losing money, and there was no recourse for this. You couldn't predict this. How how are you going to predict all of these cards will go? especially given that they just randomly moved the announcement up by a week and gave everyone like an hour's notice. So I don't know. This, this, this makes me lose a lot of faith in Wizards. Standard has kind of been their bread and butter, right? We've always trusted development. You know, we're like, oh, Moto sucks, but don't worry. That's digital. R&D knows what they're doing. Standard is so awesome. They're always making good cards. They always make good choices. And now, I, I don't know. This is calling that into question. Yeah, I don't know. It's a really huge complex issue. And I just, I think it's compounded because everyone just felt a little more safe with Standard. And Standard has been under siege a lot lately. And it's like, now you're just going to ban cards outright? Like, I thought you guys had this under control. <laughs> so, so do you think um, that this will be a financially based concern? Like, do you think when we see the fourth quarter reports come out in, I think it's February from Wizards, are we going to be looking at this fall as a bad time for Wizards financially? Uh, profits decreasing, tournament attendance down. Like, do you think that is what pushed it over the edge for them to take what looks to be really drastic action? I have no idea. Like, how would this help? I really don't know. How, yeah. how does this help? How does this make you go out and want to buy more cards? This makes me, like, not want to buy any cards, like, ever. Right? <laughs> this this makes me want to play Popper. It's like, yeah, ban my deck, right? Take my $10, leave me alone, as opposed to take my $150 investment. So, I don't oh. know. This, this shakes my confidence a lot. And th this is, you know, since we've been doing this, since I've been running Goldfish, I've never had my confidence this, like, shook. You know, even, like, play points... You know, all the moto changes, you know, it was all like, okay, yeah, a little weird, sure. But this one is like, huh, is magic in trouble? Like, what is going on here? Did some big wig person come in and just slap these changes in, you know, overriding development and R&D and all that stuff? Or, you know, what exactly happened here? Because this seems 
very unusual and very atypical of Wizards. But maybe it's the new norm going forward. Maybe this is what revitalizes standard. Maybe this makes the best Pro Tour we've ever seen ever. I don't know. But at this point, I'm not... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on the side of Wizards is very confused as opposed to Wizards knows what they're doing because uh, they haven't shown us that yet. So may, maybe this is the time to, to show it and shake things up. But right now, I'm very concerned. I will say that uh, in all the doom and gloom, I am very excited for brewing now. It does. It is going to make the next few weeks really exciting because uh, a lot of the things... In all fairness, these these bands are very impactful and very surprising, but it's hard for me to argue that Standard won't be a better and more exciting and fun place with Emrakul gone, with Smuggler's Copter gone. Those were two cards that had a really constricting effect on the format. Copter really increased variance. I know from playing a lot of random Copter decks that it feels like, and playing against them too, if you have a Copter on turn two, it just feels like you're winning with any random junk that you have in your deck. And that same deck, if you don't have Copter, it feels like you're losing. So it's very swingy and Emrakul just completely crushes the top end diversity like when we were doing the set reviews this weekend uh, me and jazz were recording them there were so many cards like a johnny and other expensive cards there it was just like uh, yeah this is sweet i like this card but is it going to actually be able to compete with emerald and the answer was always no so i think these changes are good it's just how drastic and surprising they are that is sort of scary yeah, it's a, th- that was a really good point that you brought up. And it, it's kind of, it was almost like in the back of everyone's minds, right? And even we're going to talk a bit, a little more in another segment that, you know, Aether Revolt brought all these awesome looking combos and just Kaladesh as well. Like we had Paradox Engine, we have the Reservoir, we have all this stuff that we're going to talk about. But even then, it almost felt like, does this still combat like everything that's going on? So I get the Emrakul. It's just, it you can't, it's almost like you can't do this without having everyone just feel bad and i don't i don't know what the the middle ground is like do you send everyone like a couple packs like what do you do i'm seeing people (laughs) on twitter it's just funny because we brought it up and it's like does everyone get their full dust like (laughs) back for the cards that you just changed like what happens and and the truth is, is i don't know do you get do you send out vouchers does like everyone get a free draft at you know your local gaming store like what happens that Nothing. doesn't that's, solve anything. Like, here's right. $6 for a free draft. Yeah, like, sorry, sorry about your $120. Your 80, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but does this concern know, you guys? Like, what do we do now? So remember, the general consensus on Ether Revolt is it's one of the most powerful and push sets we've had in a while. And, you know, you have things like infinite combos. You have things like fast mana slash free spells. You have all these cool things. And that's not enough to combat Emrakul? Like, that's not enough to make a healthy meta? Like, I thought they were they pushed the power level of all these cards so that they could overcome Emrakul, so they could overcome Smuggler's Copter. But apparently it wasn't enough and they needed to ban all these cards anyway. So, like, what does that say for the current state of standard and the power level? Like, why is this standard so powerful now? Are we just going to have the next Emrakul, you know, after the Pro Tour when the pros have fixed and solved the format? You know, is Sahili combo just going to be the next Emrakul and we expect a banning in five months, six months? Like, what what does this really mean? I'm just, it's just very shocking. Uh, and I, I agree with the bans. I mean, I don't know about Reflector Mage. I'm assuming that we will see why that was banned. But, uh, I mean, I guess it was still, they want creatures to matter and I get it. 
because without Emrakul, I guess people would be playing different creatures, and Reflector Mage was always kind of, you know, uh, it always put a damper on everything. And Smuggler's Copter, obviously, is, was just in way too many decks. So I, I kind of agree with everything. And then the modern bannings, also, I agree with. It's just you're never going to be able to do this without a huge backlash. It's like, well, what do you do? Do you play, let people go and get dragged through the mud, like through a horrible standard, or do you do something about it and everyone still gets upset? How about you just make standard good like you did for most uh, or reasonable like you did for most of the standards for the past 25 years? Like, I, I think that's where the failing is. I think that that we should have never been to this position where Wizards was having to make these choices because right. they should have known better than to print Emrakul as it was. Or I can I can be a bit more forgiving with Smuggler's Copter being a new card type. Uh, I understand that that's where misses happen, so I'm a little more forgiving there. But uh, Emrakul's a big one. Like they they could have made that in a way where it didn't need to be banned. Uh, but instead, they they pushed it too far, uh, knowingly. So I I don't know. I think that's where the the biggest failing is. And we've kind of we've been so focused on standard, we really didn't get to modern uh, very much at all. Gitaxian Probe, I really like as a banning. I think that's a a good call. Uh, Golgari Grave Troll, though, I don't really think that does much of anything like you have more dredgers if you really wanted to hurt dredge i think you would have had to ban something more because it's so easy to replace it with something that's just slightly less powerful because it's not like you're ever casting golgari grave troll it's just there to dredge so you go from like dredge six to dredge four so that one's a real head scratcher to me too i don't know why if they wanted to hurt dredge i don't know why they'd pick golgari grave troll as a card to ban well it it slows it down a few turns right like it, it makes it a little more manageable but, I mean, you still have the cards that you printed in the meantime that were still really good. So you have, like, Cathartic Reunion. You have all that stuff. I don't know. I mean, I agree. I mean, Jataxian Probe, you might as well have banned all the Phyraxian mana cards at this point. Like, what, what's the difference? Uh, this one's actually good. I, I think right, Jataxian I mean, Probe... You're setting a precedent. It's a free spell, so that enables all kind of shenanigans from Storm to Prowess. Uh, it lets you look at your opponent's hand, which lets you play around any counterplay they may have and on top of that it cycles it makes your deck more consistent so i can totally understand the probe getting the axe uh, i don't think it's going to affect modern too much uh grave troll i think i agree with seth i don't know that it does anything and you might take a percentage point or two off of dredge but i think the deck will continue uh modern yeah this is what i expect like I can see this. This is a nice, normal, conservative ban. Nothing crazy going on. And yeah, the Phyrexian mana experiment failed and Probe needs to go. So I'm okay with the modern changes. It, it's okay in my books. I think Probe does actually have a really good effect uh, beyond the reasons Richard said. I think it does slow down some decks a bit because we've seen the thing in the ice decks. Uh, basically, all the decks that are looking to win with Become Immense or Teamer Battle Rage. Uh, Death Shadow is one of them. The Blue-Red Prowess deck, Infect, is one of them. Probe is one of the most important cards in that deck. It flips your thing in the ice, gets counters off your thing in the ice. It fuels your graveyard to make sure you got Become Immense, uh, Delve Mana. So I think it's going to... It's not going to slow those decks down by a turn or even half of a turn, but losing Probe does slow down several of the fastest decks in the format, which 
is what I think most people want for modern is to be just a little bit less of a turn three format and a little bit more of a turn four format and probe itself isn't going to get it there, but it is going to get it slightly closer to that goal. I think so another BNR and another cycle of weeping for Jace, the mind sculptor speculators, <laughs> blood braid elf speculators, <laughs> stoneforge mystic speculators. Yes. I'm sure a lot of, uh, cancellation requests came in today. Uh, when they saw the announcement this morning, Hey, can I, uh, get all those stoneforge mystics back or Jace, the mind sculptors back? That'd be nice. Well, I'm also confused why wizards announced they were doubling up on, uh, the banning schedule now. So there's one before set release and then one yeah. after, pro tour but they right. also said in the next sentence like this doesn't mean we're gonna ban more things so if you're not planning on banning more things do you really need like to double the number of banned and restricted announcements well you I never plan they... for mistakes right. <laughs> but when you make them you still need to clean them up right <laughs> you want to get out you want to get out well actually it was also because I, I know a few pros like they when they get the 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 spoiler and it's completely released they start brewing immediately for for the pro tour like they're that's where they're setting their sights i guess they would have even wanted earlier because it would feel really awful to like ban something only a few weeks <laughs> like a week after the set has come out like because everyone's like oh wait and see blah 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 but what they don't realize is that pro tour is right around the corner and you ban something a couple weeks out like you basically just ruined an entire strategy for a pro team so I don't know. I, I guess that was in mind when they said, you know, we're going to kind of have multiple outs for this because if we do make a mistake, then we have these outs and it still gives people enough time to test for the pro tour. And I guess if we miss something and the pros blatantly reveal that we've messed up, a, a you know, i.e. Eldrazi winter, then we have an out to the pro tour because we just ban it right after the pro tour. So, I don't know. So, to wrap up this conversation, what do you guys like better? The accelerated rotation schedule, which they went back on, in which sets rotate faster, or an accelerated BNR schedule where they're able to ban, and I guess unban, cards uh, at, a, at a faster pace? Faster rotation. Yeah, I think having your deck banned is way more frustrating and painful and likely to make people quit magic than faster rotation. Even though faster rotation wasn't possible or wasn't popular, it's nowhere near as devastating as buying green black delirium and having your deck get banned randomly uh, like it just happened. So I agree with you guys. And what do you think the odds are that Sam Stoddard sends out a tweet about uh, <laughs> the state of standard and asking for people's opinions? <laughs> what, <and that's, laughs> uh, the best part the best part of that is they just published that the article saying how everyone loves standard when we ran this twitter poll and there was a lot of good responses there <laughs> by the way we also know that you liked it so much that we had to ban these three cards so we don't have to deal with them anymore it's our present to you happy new year <laughs> Uh, well, no, the good news I, is I, you yeah, can still is... play Black Green Delirium in yes. Frontier. This is all a also, conspiracy I... to push Frontier, oh, guys. Oh, hey, <laughs> hey, you're right. Go grab those 25 cent smugglers copy on the <laughs> <CD> player. <laughs> all right, shall we move on to some spoilers? Because we, we should. Uh, we should. Uh, the, the actual. We need a pick, pick me up. <laughs> big news of the week was we got the full Ether Revolt spoilers, but. 
once again, for every piece of good news we get, uh, something overshadowed it. Uh, but let's go on to spoilers. Let's start with Exquisite Archangel. Uh, five white, white. So seven converted mana costs. It's an angel. It's a five, five. Flying. If you would lose the game, instead exile Exquisite Archangel and your life total becomes equal to your starting life total. Yeah, we talked to... It's kind of fun. I mean, we talked to... If you haven't seen the MTG... On MTG Goldfish on the YouTube channel that Seth and I are doing a set review. We do these for every set review. So we're going to... You're going to hear a little bit of... uh, On both sides, but we love to get Richard's take. So what do you think about this card, Richard? Because... Seth and I, we kind of talked about this. Like, it, it is flavorful. It looks beautiful. It's a, it's an angel. But does this really see play anywhere? Do you think? I imagine it will see play in a control deck if a control deck is really? a thing. Hmm. And I'm surprised it printed this because this is one of the most feel bad cards you can ever play. It's like I get you down to one life. I'm about to kill you, but I can't. You go back to twenty. Like, I think that's way worse than getting my turn taken or. You know, getting a spell counterspelled or something. It's that I'm going to win, but oops, nope, I'm not going to win. And you're just going to go back undoing my last 20 minutes worth of work trying to whittle you down. So if there's a slow control deck, I think this would go in. And, you know, typically aggro decks are not going to have any way to deal with this. So you just slap this down and stabilize. So I think it's actually kind of reasonable. Uh, especially given Emrakul's gone now, you can give your new takes now that there's no Emrakul or Smuggler's Copter. You're not going to die on turn four. <laughs> right. uh, you're going to make it to the late game. So And uh, it blocks like Archangel Avacyn and stuff. So I think this has a shot of being playable. And the effect is super annoying, and I think it's going to be crazy in EDH. I'd like to gain 39 life if possible. Uh, it doesn't save <laughs> you from Infect, though, so that's that's not cool. But it saves you from a lot of things. So more more important question: Odds that this ends up getting banned? Uh, in the next- <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think we're gonna have to worry about this one. <laughs> Is it on a playmat? If it's on a playmat, then it's gonna get banned. <laughs> oh man! Smuggler's copter is on a playmat for GPS, by the way. So sorry, tournament organizers. <laughs> I I will say that since this Emerical banning uh, took place, which happened after we did the set review stuff. It does, I don't know about this card in specific, I'm still not 100% set and sold on it, but it does free up the possibility of a card like this being good. At least there's a conversation now, because before, if you were going to seven mana and you weren't casting Emrakul with that mana, you were just doing it wrong. There's no other way about it. But now, a card like this is actually in the conversation, and if you're playing a control deck, this could actually be something that you might want. Well, weren't you doing it wrong casting Emrakul at seven mana? (laughs) 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 No, I... And it is it is kind of unfortunate that they well it's not unfortunate they did ban it which is nice but it's unfortunate that they did it after we talked about everything I don't know if it I don't feel any much more optimistic about this particular card but there are a few cards that we did mention even on previous podcasts it's kind of like it opens up almost everything because it's like oh this is so great this is so great but like can I still do it before they play Emrakul and like how can I still interact with Emrakul there's still so many. It kind of does open things up a lot. And yeah, maybe you did bring up the point, though, and on the video, Seth, what was the other angel? The one did it have flash? I can't Uh, remember. I know from a corset, right? Resolution Archangel, I believe. Okay. Did it have convoke? I know it had something. Let me uh, let me look it up. Yeah. 
It this is, kind of feels a little bit like that. It's a 4-4 flyer for 7, no abilities. When it enters the battlefield, your life total becomes your starting life total. Okay, so this... You do kind of lose this, but at least it's out, and not a it, lot of stuff deals with it. It's similar, yeah. It, it, I don't know what is better, actually. Uh, Resolution Archangel does more in situations where you're not losing the game like you can just be at eight life and play it and go back to 20 and have a relatively big flyer uh, but the new one does have more power and toughness and if you're actually losing the game it saves you you can just let it sit on the battlefield so it'll be interesting i think that they're both uh pretty reasonable for commander though all right best card of the set coming up midnight entourage two black black creature Etherborn Rogue, 3-3. Three, three. Other Etherborn you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever Midnight Entourage or another Etherborn you control dies, you draw a card and you lose one life. I proclaim this to be the best casual lord. <laughs> <laughs> now, yes, I, I all of the angry comments tell me the better angry, uh, the better lords <laughs> than this. This is definitely up there. And, and full disclosure, I only chose this card because Richard was not there. But this is Richard's favorite card, even more than I like it. It's really, so. you get to draw a card and, you know, you get to draw a card anytime someone kills one of your Aetherborn. So the, the worst thing about tribal decks is you play them all out and you get Wrath. And that's typically the end of the game unless you, you're playing Slivers. So with this, you get to draw a new hand, right? So I think this actually is one of the best lords. You know, Lord of Atlantis is probably the best lord because it's actually competitive. But in terms of casual abilities, pumping and uh, getting to draw cards uh, is pretty sweet. So I actually think this is pretty good. What's holding back the Aetherborn are the lack of other Aetherborn creatures. <laughs> uh, I tried building an Aetherborn tribal deck with uh, Gaunti, uh, with only Kaladesh, and there was like five or six Aetherborn that was it. So maybe with Aether Revolt, there's enough, and you get the new Mimic, maybe throw in some shapeshifters and stuff. Maybe you have enough for an Aetherborn tribal deck now, so I'm pretty excited about this. And this guy's not legendary, so you can clone him and stack him uh, to get the effect. That's super... Super awesome. Drawing multiple cards per death of an Aetherborn will be really good. So, Is there a one-drop Aetherborn? Maybe? Because I don't think the... F Isn't the fourth bridge prower a human rogue? <laughs> <laughs> so what I... Oh, what no. I hear you saying, Richard, is this will probably end up getting banned? Is that what I... We <laughs> yeah, Mike. Uh, we determined that Aetherborn are too powerful. That's too many people. <laughs> I, We're making janky me, decks and winning with them, so... <laughs> banned. To be honest, you play Gifted Aetherborn, the two-mana, two-three, Death Touch lifelink, into Yeheni, into the Lord? Wait, that's that's actually not that bad. Wait, is the is the Vampire Nighthawk thing... Uh... And you yeah, it's an oh, Aetherborn it vampire. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> but you don't have a one drop. <laughs> they gave you a one drop. It's a human rogue. What is <laughs> Come on. The one drop no. is for fatal push. One drop is to remove okay, any okay, creature they have, enough. which will kill all of your Aetherborn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yes. And, that, and now their Fumigate, there's an additional line on their Fumigate that says they lose five life, you yep. gain five life, and draw five cards. So, uh, yep. you know, that's not bad. You got Syndicate Trafficker in the two spot. So yeah, you, I think your your one drop is literally this is a fatal push. Yeah, and uh, Yeheni is Aetherborn Vampire, obviously. I don't know. If, did we talk about Yeheni last week? But Yeheni can sacrifice creatures. You yes. know, they can be Aetherborn. You can draw cards. It can be indestructible. So 
uh, maybe I'll force Seth to play this uh, in standard. <laughs> <laughs> I'll rig the poll. Yeah. Show me the against the odds poll. Let me rig it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to another legendary creature. Uh, so we talked about Yehenny. We talked about uh, who's the other one? Sram. So we got Kari Zev, Skyship Raider, the Red Human Pirate. Uh, one in a red, two converted mana cost, one three. First Strike Menace. When Kari Zev, Skyship Raider, attacks, create a legendary 2-1 red monkey creature token named Ragavan that's tapped and attacking. Exile that token at the end of combat. So a pirate with a monkey token. Uh, legendary this is- monkey. This is one of my my favorite flavor cards of the set. And I think it's, I mean, it's reasonable. It's not great. It's a weird amount of power and toughness. But when you consider it does get the monkey token attacking with it, it's kind of three damage, three power and toughness when it's attacking. So, uh, but the monkey with the goggles is just so sweet. So I, I'm really glad they made this card. And I think it's really cool. As far as competitive play, uh, I'm not 100% sold. What do you think? Richard. Seems pretty bad. <laughs> it's the oh. <laughs> I mean, flavor wise, yeah. And it's it's three four worth of power, except only one three of menace and first striking. So that makes it awkward because if all of that power and toughness was first strike and menace, it'd be pretty good. But as a one three, like you just don't block it. And then any any one X kills the monkey token. So in terms of playability, I'm not not seeing it. It might be good and limited. Like even then, it's a little questionable. Like a one three doesn't get you anywhere. So uh, aside from you know pirate tribal, but it's mono red, so it makes it kind of hard. Or you know having sweet monkey synergies. Like I don't see this being that good in standard. <laughs> but menace. <laughs> but menace on a one three because you know I want to commit two yeah. of my creatures to block this one three. <laughs> Well, the monkey should have menace, and the Kari Zev should, should have, have first strike. That would that make would more be sense. nice. Yes, but the thing is, you know what? This actually seems a little bit better now that Smuggler's Copter is gone. I'm, I'm like, I'm not even like joking. Like it, it seems. I mean, you're the two one still attacks into. Well, maybe I don't even think. Will people still be even playing uh, Thraben Inspector anymore? <laughs> so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe. Maybe it's still bad. Oh, man. The monkey this needs is, first strike and menace. So and then tricky. this card would be good. You're right. You're right. Yeah. It is really. It's a. I love the character. love the design. love the flavor. I just don't know if it gets there. Where's Ash Zellick? Come on. Oh, Ash Zellick. Too good. All right. Let's move on to uh, Rishkar. Pima Renegade. So uh, it's a green card, two and a green, three converted mana cost, two, two, legendary creature, elf druid. When Rishkar enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. Each creature you control with a counter on it has tapped to add green to your mana pool. Yeah, this is, this has now, I loved this before, but this seems even better now. Now that you don't have to worry about dying to like Emrakul really quickly, this just seems great. I mean, you pair this up with Winding Constrictor. You pair this up with anything, actually. You're you can enable some really interesting stuff early on into the game that can almost just value your opponent out of the game. Like turn four, you can play Riskar's expertise. You, you ramp into its Riskar's expertise. You could drop a Gear Hulk. Like there's some crazy stuff you can do. 
You could play you could play Ajani now. You could play the green white Ajani. You don't have to worry about giving your opponent 13 life. Isn't the Planeswalker deck better so you can put counters on things to make mana? <laughs> I can't tell if Seth is serious or trolling. <laughs> Every time he talks about Planeswalker Wait. deck, Planeswalkers. Oh, you're right. Yeah, see, Chaz, you got the wrong Ajani. Oh, in your, I in did. Back. Really, though, I think this card is, is pretty reasonable. I mean, even the mana ability is pretty powerful, but even just getting a 3-3 three, three and putting a counter on something for 3 mana... That's pretty on curve and pretty good. And then the dream scenario of using that mana, uh, because if you play it on turn three, you put two counters on things. Theoretically, you can tap those two creatures. You'll have four lands. You'll have enough mana that you can play the, a Gearhawk on turn four and put the counters on an untapped creature to immediately attack with a relatively big creature thanks to Gearhawk. So I think I would be interested. I played a mono green stompy list, Gearhawk stompy for budget magic a while ago. And I think in a deck like that that's just looking to kind of go wide early and then finish the game with Gearhawk, I think this is really good. Plus, you have Nissa, which puts a counter on everything, and it's kind of a build-your-own Cryptolith rights that has a 3-3 body coming attached with it. So I think there's potential. Right, yeah, and think, it's any counter. It doesn't even need to be plus one, plus one counters. Yeah, it can be any counters. It's going to be ridiculous in EDH, and this seems really good. It's above the. It's three mana for 4-4. Uh, and all your guys become mana dorks, letting you cast your Virtus Gear Hulk to even get further ahead. So I think Stompy is the right word. You're going to get some really big green creatures like smashing into things. So I actually really like this card, and uh, it might actually be too powerful. Uh, I don't know about you know making your team all mana dorks is really safe, right? Because if you have like one drop, two drop, uh, you play this, and then basically you're you have access to Emrakul banned on the next turn. Uh, Emrakul is now banned, so now uh, you might have access to I don't know Ulamog mana or something like that. So it's it's pretty crazy, especially given you know you have Nissa in the format, which makes you know all your creatures get plus one plus one counters, which makes all your creatures into mana dorks. So it'll be interesting. Uh, servos are also a thing. Fabricator also a thing. So there's. There's a lot of ways to go wide and generate a ton of mana with this card. You're speaking my language. Oh, there's Huge one card green creatures. which we want to talk about. <laughs> Huge green creatures. Green Belt Rampager. Uh, one green. It's a 3-4 creature elephant. When it enters a battlefield, pay two energy. If you can't, return uh, Green Belt Rampager to its owner's hand and you get one energy. So one mana, 3-4. Is this the biggest one drop we've ever seen? <laughs> Uh, it's it's pretty big. Dreadnought, Frexy and Dreadnought. Oh, I think. Dreadnought. <laughs> You're right. Dreadnought, Figure of Destiny. <laughs> Warden of the I'm First I'm just happy they, they're, they're, hard, they're bringing it back. They're bringing it back old school. Green, you had rogue elephants. You had just you know the, the creatures of the, the jungle, like all kinds of creatures. And I, it's just happy to see like an old school, maybe just, maybe it's just I'm more happy than other people, but. I mean, it's a good card. I mean, at the very worst, you get a 3-4. So you have to pay two energy and you get a 3-4. Like if you're desperate, like it's green, 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 3-4, right? You can right. cast it twice to gain two energy and then cast it a yes. third time. That can be split over multiple turns. In the right. best case scenario, it's like the biggest tempo swing you've ever seen because you go one drop, two drop, and then two drop 
uh, Greenbelt Rampager, you basically dump your whole hand uh, with big beefy green creatures. So I, I actually think this card is really above the curve. Uh, I don't know what they're thinking, printing a 1-mana 3-4. Not even a 3-3, three, three, a 3-4. Three, so weird. I don't know the chat. As a green expert, is this... It's just not oh, like absurdly. It's, it's like Tarmogoyf, man. Yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> I don't know about Tarmogoyf, but uh, it's definitely good. And it it had it serves even another purpose. Like it can be an engine. Like it gives you a bare minimum energy reserve, right? Like at least you're basically if you don't if you can't use the three four or you don't need to use the three four, it's basically pay one get an energy. And you can do some interesting stuff with like Paradox Engine, right? Like you can. If you have something that can eat up the energy, like a servant of the conduit, I think it's called, right? The green one. Yeah. Yeah, servant of the conduit. You can get some crazy stuff going with like just a green pelt rampager and a servant of the conduit. And if yeah. you have something that has like an ETB ability, you're golden right there. I think uh, the comparison for this card for me is, oh uh, man, Sarah. What's the one that's played in Avenger? Avenger. Avenger. Yes. That, yep. That's what it reminds me of. It's essentially a really overpowered creature for its mana cost, except it kind of has a drawback where you can't play it on turn one, and on turn two, you might be able to play it. You need some work, so it's kind of a, a really big one-drop, but you can't play it the first two turns of the game. It's kind of how it works out. The good news is it does generate you some energy, so if you care about energy synergies and you got nothing going on, it's fine to just play this on turn one to get an extra energy that you then use on your bristling hydra or serve into the conduit as the game goes along so all right uh so should we move into the combos now so a lot of people have found many combos in ether revolt and a lot of these cards seem super pushed and there's speculation do you think wizards put these combos in intentionally or do you think they're they accidentally left them in. A lot of people thought the ban and restricted announcement today was to address some of these combos. Uh, so, Seth, do you want to break down some of the combos and interactions that uh, we have in this set? Any any infinite standard combos? Okay, so if we're focusing on standard and specific, we have a few different infinite and like semi-infinite combos first off paradoxical engine or paradox engine is uh, a combo with cryptolithrites and a bunch of things that card's just built for combos so i'm sure i'm not even scratching the surface but one of the most obvious ones for standard you make all your creatures into mana dorks paradox engine lets you untap them whenever you cast a spell so you just tap all your creatures for mana cast something as long as you can keep drawing cards and generating card advantage. You can kind of just go through your whole deck like that. So that's one. We also have the new Splinter Twin combo, essentially, with Sahili Rai and Felidare Guardian, which lets you... Uh, you copy the Felidare Guardian, which lets you blink something when it enters the battlefield. So you copy that with Sahili Rai, and then you blink the Sahili Rai with the copy of Felidare Guardian, which gives you a Sahili Rai, which is actually a new object as far as the game is concerned. So you can use it again. So you just make an infinite number of these one fours and beat down. Very similar to Splinter Twin and Deceiver Exarch. We also have a combo with Wandering Fumeral and Crackdown Construct. So Crackdown Construct gets plus one, plus one. It's a, a four mana two, two, but it gets plus one, plus one whenever you activate an ability that isn't an 
uh, that isn't an mana ability. And Wandering Fumeral lets you, for zero, switch its power and toughness. So you can just activate that zero ability an infinite number of times, and you get an infinitely big Council at Crackdown. You can even sacrifice it to Barrage Tyrant, which lets you uh, sack a colorless creature to deal damage equal to its power to a creature or player. So you don't actually have to attack. There's... <laughs> the Richard special, he came up with this one. Uh, Greenbelt Rampager, serving of the conduit to eat up the energy from Greenbelt Rampager with Paradox Engine, lets you generate infinite enter the battlefield triggers. And then with Etherflux Reservoir, that gains you an infinite number of life, also lets you deal 50 damage to your opponent an infinite number of times, although it usually takes one. And then there's Metallic Mimic and Animation Module, which is essentially standard thopter sword uh, you get to once you put a counter on something you trigger your animation module which makes a servo token if you have your metallic mimic on servo it's going to put a plus one plus one counter on that servo token which again triggers animation module so you make another servo for one mana so basically you make two two servos uh, because they get the plus one plus one counter equal to the amount of mana you have so every turn you can make three four or five an increasingly big number just like Sword of the Meek and Thopter Foundry and Modern. So that's my list. I might be missing some, but that's five, I think, infinite combos we have in standard right now. Holy moly. Yeah, it's a ton. <laughs> so we went to complaining about no combo in standard. It's all mid-range decks, blah, blah, blah. And then boom, just like a set full of combos like left and right. How many of these do you think are standard playable? How how what what is the scale of jankiness for these combos? Can we queue up? Can we queue up the uh, the soundbite of Sahili Rai? Oh, it's time <laughs> it for time for Chaz's glory. Queue it up. <laughs> no, I, I do think the Sahili Guardian combo is good enough. I do think so. So I, the other stuff, like Paradox Engine, could probably be good enough too. But let me ask: like, do you do you feel? Did you feel more enthusiastic about all these combos because now you almost had like? a sword to wield against Evercool, or do you feel less excited about it now because now we're left with all these combos and it's almost do we now we just have combos bouncing off each other and whoever gets to the combo first wins this morning when they announced they were going to have a bnr announcement today uh, almost every single person I saw on Twitter, pros and players and everyone assumed that they were preemptively banning the Sahili Rai combo because it, it, it is the same mana cost and looks a lot like Splinter Twin. You lose the flash and some of the aspects of Splinter Twin that made it good, but it's it's very reminiscent of the Splinter Twin combo, which was good enough that they banned it in modern. So that's why everyone assumed, but that didn't get hit by the banning at all. So that's the combo that I think is most likely to be tier one and standard i also really think that we could find a paradox engine combo that is very playable in tier to some level the other combos i think are more janky they're really cool could play them for like against odds or budget magic the one exception might be metallic mimic and animation module but i don't think you're going to build a deck that is 
based on that combo, but you might be playing a metallic mimic deck that because you want to play that anyway to pump up whatever you're doing and just play the animation module as kind of a secondary game plan to sometimes win with the combo, but be ha- having a proactive creature based uh, game plan. We're using metallic mimic as a Lord, uh, but I think the splinter twin combo with Sahili Rai and Felidare guardian is the one that really stands out as potentially one of the best things to do in the format. Uh, the, also, the animation module, we talked about this on the set review. It almost felt – I think this gained a little bit of hope, not that it will jump right to tier one. But I have a little more optimism now because we talked about this. It just didn't feel like a good idea to be plugging along with uh, a, a Thopter Sword combo essentially when they're just trying to go for Emrakul on turn four. So as you're trying to set up this kind of really intricate – long drawn out thing they're just going to take over your turn and just blow up everything that you were doing anyway so that has me a little more hopeful obviously the Sahili twin combo looks way better without having to combat Emrakul I think the my worry with Metallic Mimic is unlike Thopter Sword in Modern where your pieces are actually really resilient especially your sword which comes back from the graveyard that's how the combo is actually how it actually works. Metallic Mimic is just a 2-1 so it's very easy to disrupt it with anything all the way down to a shock and then so if you're really investing and that being your primary game plan it just seems risky because your combo piece is so fragile when at least with uh, the Sahili combo you're going with a 1-4 which does dodge shock it does dodge harness lightning if your opponent doesn't have additional energy producers so it's a little more resilient to an instant speed removal spell than metallic mimic is yeah we're referring to the modern counterparts but these combos are significantly weaker uh you know splinter twin is a flash combo you end a turn uh you you know you put down your creature and then untap you play twin whereas this one you gotta play Sahili and then you play uh, your 1-4 and Sahili can be removed with a shock. As soon as you minus 2 you can actually kill her. Uh, so it's not as resilient and same with Thopter Sword. Uh, the, the sword can be in the graveyard from looting or just getting destroyed and it makes flyers which is relevant so you can actually block and it gains you life so you can actually stabilize because you spent all this time uh, typically as a control deck trying to stabilize and put this thing together. Uh, so the combos are weaker than their modern counterparts, but this is standard, so it's okay to be weaker. Uh, what I'm more concerned about, though, is if Sahili Twin, which is, I think, the most respectable combo here, is a thing, even just a remote thing, does it get banned? Right? <laughs> now, now that we've seen Emrakul, I didn't think Emrakul was that big of a problem, right? You know, but, you know, what's worse than, you know, having your turn taken from you on turn four? Well, just losing the game on turn four, which is Sahili Twin. So does that generate enough feel bads to warn a ban? Are you sure you want to go deep on your Sahili Rise? So that's what's floating in my head right now. It's if this is a real thing, is it too good? You know, we haven't had turn four combos in standard in such a long time. Are they just gonna ban it from me? So I don't know. Confidence shaken. But I don't think it's that good because, you know, you can just shock the Sahili. So there there are ways to combat this on top of counter spells and stuff. Uh, so I think it's I think the decks will be more controlling, and they're not going to try to slam the win in turn four. Uh, it'll be more like Splinter Twin, where they kind of drain you of your resources, uh, grind you out, and then just slap down the combo to win. 
which is, I think, how the standard decks will actually play out. Yeah, I, I think you're very dead on with that. It's more likely that instead of being an all-in combo deck, like we saw the the early versions of Etherworks Marvel that were just overloaded with all these crappy energy producers and were like strictly based on the combo, it's more likely that we'll find the Sahili twin combo in a Jeskai control list, but this is the finisher. So once you gain control of the game and are in a stable spot, then you can just win all at once instead of going through this long, slow beatdown process with uh, your Torrential Gear Hulk getting chomped or a Wandering Fumarole or something, it gives you a guaranteed way where you're like, all right, our opponent doesn't get to draw any more cards. The game ends this turn once you gain control. Yeah, and I actually like Crackdown Construct a lot. Uh, for the main reason of Wandering Fumarole is playable and desired index on its own. So Crackdown Construct is just a one-card combo at this point. So you can, you know, play... You know, imagine, uh, you know, the blue-red spells deck or blue-red control, and their finisher is a crackdown construct, where they just put it down and then uh, make it a 20-20 and hit you for one turn. So I actually think that combo uh, is a bit under the radar, and Wandering Funeral is a perfectly playable card on its own, and so that doesn't even count as a combo piece. So this is a one-card finisher. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that. And Sahili can fetch up all the copies of in your deck oh you're so into sahili chaz this is the worst <laughs> this is the worst how did chaz yes how did chaz predict that they would just literally print the one card that would make sahili good do it <laughs> the one card had to be very specific had to be able to blink a planeswalker <laughs> i did not know that but <laughs> let me tell you uh yeah i think um I i'm excited about the combos i just it was almost like I was more excited about them because they can combat what was going on in standard, right? It felt like another option. And it was almost like keep Aether, you know, the Aetherworks Marvel and the Emrakul deck, right? Like I I'm going to be doing something too. And it felt like at least another option that it could kind of spice things up, right? Now it just feels like, oh, well, those things are gone. Now is there – can these decks fight the, the combo decks? <laughs> you know, like uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Hopefully, it's good enough. Everyone maybe should be should be packing shock in their deck because you're going to need it <laughs> to stop this combo shenanigans. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm I'm excited to brew more than I have been, even when I was trying to brew around cards to beat Emrakul. So, what do you guys think of the set overall? Now, now that we've seen all the cards, uh, we've seen crazy cards. People are calling it the most push set in years and the most powerful set and we have all these crazy combos uh what's your opinion of ether revolt you can go first seth uh i definitely think it looks super powerful and i'm still super excited for it there's just a lot of cards that seem very push so i'm very excited for it and i think it's going to be a great time for brewing and maybe even more so than it was going to be because of the bannings that's one of the definite upsides it is slightly disjointed feeling as far as the flavor and kind of fitting together as a set i think in my opinion but it does have a lot of stuff that's just very powerful standalone cards yeah. yeah, I like this. I liked it before. I like it even more now that Emrakul and Smuggler's Copter and all that kind of just got wiped away. It, it feels a little bit more fresh. Like I can, I can be a little bit more confident that some of these cards are actually going to be have some sort of impact and not just 
you know, it's just another good card, but another good card that is just going to go to the wayside because of Emma. So I, I have a lot of optimism now. Yeah, I think the set is very powerful, and I like playing with powerful cards. The question is, how balanced is this format? And uh, I'm skeptical of the expertise cycle. Uh, I'm skeptical of some of these combos. Like, I, they look too good on paper, but if everyone uh, has good combos and good cards, it should balance out. So as long as each of the colors gets a good, you know, representation, we should be good. But it just might up being be and and uh be emerical again where only black green can take advantage of it and black green kind of shoots to the top along with marvel so i'm really hoping wizards did this correctly and we're not sitting here asking why people are using you know lotus blooms or black lotuses on turn four and that this actually all somehow balances out but i'm excited because we we haven't had a powerful set in a long time uh, the only true disappointment in my opinion is shock you know people are all clamoring over shock which was, you know, if you go back over the years, people are always like, oh my god, Shock is terrible. And now we're like, hooray, Shock, finally, instant speed, red spell. Uh, <laughs> and soon enough, uh, Cancel has gotten there. Now we're like, oh my god, Cancel with Upside. Like, such a glorious day. <laughs> so uh, that's a little weird. But uh, the other cards are very powerful. So uh, it'll be exciting to see what happens. And hopefully it's just not Sahili Twin uh, running rampant at the Pro Tour. Uh, hopefully it's not just Archangel Avacyn or one of the old cards just dominating the format now, but uh, we see some of these new cards. Yeah, well said. You want to quickly get through these fish mail? All right, let's wrap it with fish mail. So last week we had technical difficulties with the fish mail, uh, so it was lost. Uh, but we did we did answer your questions. You just didn't hear them. Uh, we'll we'll type them out to you guys. But if you have questions, uh, send a question with the hashtag #MTGFishMail on Twitter or leave a comment in the article or YouTube comments. Uh, so first question from Magic Warrior 3. I see people complaining about the power of Aether Revolt. Do you guys think more power is fun? Why or why not? Uh, I like powerful cards and I think powerful formats are fun. That's uh, me personally. There does need to be some amount of balance, which we were kind of just talking about or Richard was with Aether Revolt. There needs to be a balance there. So it's not just that one color or one deck or one card even in the case of Emrakul maybe is super powerful. But I think overall that high power level formats are more fun to play than lower power level formats. Yeah, I mean, everyone likes powerful stuff to do. And in standard, sometimes you need that. Like, you sometimes you need to swing the pendulum back and forth. I, I get fair magic and, and really underpowered standard can be interesting, but sometimes if everything's strong, then it's still pretty compelling as well. Yeah, for standard, I don't mind if it's powerful or not powerful, like in the context of playing standard matches, but I really like powerful sets because it gives the cards a chance to break into modern and legacy. If you have underpowered standard, there's like no way any card will make it. Uh, but, you know, a lot of these cards we've seen in Aether Revolt, a lot of people are thinking how they slot into modern decks. So that's the part I really enjoy about powerful decks. They actually influence the older formats. Uh, next question from OG Magikarp is God. Seems like casual is the new target for buyouts. Why? $30 for a master transmuter. Who would buy at these prices? Not a lot of people, actually. So if you look through and see that the you know you can you can check this by checking completeds on eBay or even on TCG the late you know what was actually sold. 
I don't think people really were buying at that new price. So yeah, is it a little bit under still 25, maybe even $22? That's still a lot, but you got to understand that casual is encompasses all of magic, right? So when a card like, and I'll just use the, the questions example of master transmuter. I mean, that's an old card and arc enemy arc enemy, right? Arch enemy printing and conflux. Like that's still relatively low, when you compare that to some of the cards printed today, like as of, you know, Aether Revolt or Kaladesh or something like that. So it's not the fact that it's just casual. It's the fact that some of these cards are just really old and there's not a lot of them around. And they happen to just be good with some of the new stuff that is released. And when you look at Commander 2016 in specific, I mean, these are, I would have to think, the best Commander products that they've made so far. Maybe it's debatable between the first one, the very first Commander product, and this one. But these are some of the most built-around Commanders that we've seen in a long time. So it's obvious sometimes that some of these cards that do really well are going to increase because of that. Yeah, I think for me, the the takeaway is that Commander and casual formats are super popular. It's easy to forget that when we're so focused on uh, competitive formats that get coverage and all that stuff, pro tours. But it's the most popular way to play uh, Magic is to play casually on your kitchen table. Commander is hugely popular. So when we have products target those formats, we're going to see those prices change, especially for, as Chaz was saying, older cards that are lower in supply it doesn't take that much when you have who knows how many thousands of people that are buying the atraxa commander deck or the brea commander deck and then realizing oh master transmuter would be really sweet with my artifact sub theme it doesn't take that many of those people to move the needle on the market and uh, cause the price to go up because the cards just don't have that many to begin with compared to cards from newer standard releases all right. Uh, next question from Mean Mean Pork. Most underrated card in Ether Revolt. Uh, when asked for Eldritch Moon, Seth said Splendid Reclamation. Chaz said Stitcher's Graft, and Richard said Ishkana. What? How? I remember <laughs> we said on that podcast that no one could take Ishkana, Richard. Did you? Um, watch I, I I don't know. I mean, can't, it was not can fact check this. <laughs> Who can fact-check this? Underrated. We all love that card. Are you questioning the integrity of our submitted no, question? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. Uh, underrated. I still think it's Rishkar. As I'm crazy as that sounds. I'm going to go super deep, and all of you are going to laugh, but I'm going to say Quicksmith Spy. Which bad Quicksmith is this? The draw card one? Uh, well, of, of course. Look at who you're talking to. It is the draw card, Quicksmith. <laughs> but with the Spoiling of Paradox engine, you can draw your entire deck with it. Uh, so combo, combo. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Does Paradox engine untap itself? It does. So you just target the Paradox engine with Quicksmith Spy. Every time you cast something, you get to tap and retap. So, I mean, maybe I could go with the red one as well. because I would I, go with the red one. But I, you know me. I would rather draw cards and kill my opponent if I had the option. So. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, I mean, you could draw a ton of cards and then play a Decimator of Provinces. Mm. Mm, okay. that, that's my plan. All right. I will go with Solemn Recruit. The three-mana 2-2 two, two double strike with Revolt. Uh, get a plus one, plus one counter. I think people always underrate double strike cards and 
basically every double strike card we've seen has seen has seen play from Mirren Crusader. Uh, I guess the uh, uh, what's what's not the partner mechanic? What is it when you like pair with something that enters the battlefield? Soulbound. Oh, Soulbond, yeah. That that one that one didn't see much play. But I think what this was, thing. What was get... the one from uh, Theros, Richard? That's all play. Did it? The enchantment was it? En- it was no, the it was enchantment a two, one. Two. It was a three mana two two, and when it had heroic, it got double strike and plus one. Plus oh, one. there's that right? one, and there's isn't there also a? Uh, I can't remember any of these mechanics anymore. The one where you make it an aura <laughs> or a creature. Uh, what is bestow? that mechanic? Yeah, bestow. Wasn't there a bestow oh, double okay. striker? I think so. I don't know, but I think double strikers like you just get two permanents, like you know, you sack two clue tokens, and you got a four four double strike. Like good luck dealing with this. So I, I think uh, this has potential. We'll see what Wesco does, and it's also take a dwarf. that Ember Cool. Oh wait, <laughs> <laughs> there's Smuggler's Copter can't chump it. <laughs> oh, it literally can't ever. <laughs> yep. Uh, at Kyle A Swagger. This was a, a common question, but we haven't answered it in a long time. Seth, I follow your content. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, what are the origins slash meaning of Saffron Olive? Uh, all right. I've told this story a few times before, but basically the Saffron part came from an old Vietnam veteran neighbor I had. The very day I met him, for some unbeknownst reason, he started calling me Saffron and it kind of stuck and all my friends started calling me that too. And then I was in a band called Olive Grab and the Etcetras. And the gimmick of the band or one of them was that everyone's last name was Olive. It was like a 60s, whatever, revival thing. But so Saffron Olive came from there. And then that was my Reddit name. And that's how I ended up meeting Richard and going to Goldfish. And so that's kind of the progression to how the name became associated with me as far as magic stuff. But uh, crazy old Vietnam veteran neighbor combined with a band I was in uh, equals up to Saffron Olive. All right, that's our annual broadcasting. If you follow on a Twitch stream, it's actually in our Twitch chat bot because it's asked so commonly, but we haven't actually answered this on the podcast in quite a while. So now we know where Saffron Olive came from. Uh, last question from at the guy Doug. Would you like to see energy stay as an evergreen mechanic? No, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, I do not think so either. I don't think that would be healthy or fun. I'm going to say no just because I can't read the number of energy symbols. <laughs> like, it was so oh, yeah. poorly designed. Right, like, the right. yes. some of the cards that take, like, eight energy, it's really difficult to count the energy symbols. They could not put the number in brackets or something beside it. Uh, so for that reason, I, I don't think they can keep it. It's just very <laughs> difficult to read and understand. The, the best yeah. one, and I think uh, I think Tolerian Community College or someone pointed this out during the spoiler, Gonti's Aetherheart, uh, you get two energy when uh, an artifact enters the battlefield, and then you have to pay like eight or something to activate it, but they put reminder text for the two energy, so it has the two symbols and then says two energy counters, but then for the eight, which is almost impossible to read, there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually know that for the first time you see the energy symbol on a card, they put the energy counters in brackets. But usually that's the one where you gain one or two energy. And then the second ability where you pay like eight to ten, they put nothing. Uh, Lightning Runner, yeah, th- Gaunti's Aetherheart, the Whale. Like, I just can't yeah. count the number of energy symbols. I think we actually had to count it on, like, literally on the slide while we were doing the set review. Yeah. Like, is it seven? I think it's seven. <laughs> 
<laughs> Usability Wait, experts would like to have a word yeah. with wizards here. Yeah, I think it's when you, once you start to constrain them because they feel a little bit constrained once they're in a sentence like that. But and there's so many of them. Uh, yeah. I don't know. All right, that's all of our fish mail. So all if you right. have questions, remember to send them to the hashtag #MTGFishmail on Twitter or leave them in the comments uh, of wherever you're listening or viewing this from. Yeah, thanks for sending those in. We'll try to even pull some from YouTube. So if you happen to have them there, but the best way is to send them on Twitter. It's the easiest. Uh, but we'll do our best to grab them from every kind of quadrant. But, gentlemen, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. It's been <laughs> crazy. I'm, I'm actually like just kind of like exhausted already. It's time to go read <laughs> angry comments on Reddit. Yes. <laughs> I haven't... It's time to go soak everything in and see what we can do with all this information. Yeah, we literally just started podcasting like right after the announcement yeah. gone out. So yeah, now I we get to see it. all the pro tweets, all the <laughs> yeah. normal people tweets. People screenshots yeah. of their shopping cart of buying like play sets of Emrakles. <laughs> uh, all right, gentlemen, it's been a good one. Thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, we will do this again next time. So this is going to be the Goldfish Crew signing out. <laughs>